Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Houston Astros utility player Tony Kemp. Tony, what's up? What's up, Paul, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So how's it going today? It's going good. Friday afternoon, just went in, last list of the week, threw some, hit some. Now I'm hanging out for the weekend. So, can you give us a brief background about yourself? Born and raised in Franklin, Tennessee, about 20 minutes south of Nashville. Uh, went to Freedom Intermediate, Freedom Middle School, and then I went to Centennial High School, played basketball, baseball, and football. Uh, stopped playing basketball right around my sophomore year. Uh, my coach my coach kind of forced me to either play basketball or baseball, and I, I chose baseball because, you know, I knew I wasn't going to, you know, Go to the NBA at five six. So uh, played uh, played the bas- baseball and football up until senior year, and then uh, final season of football ended, and then got a scholarship to go to Vanderbilt University. Played at Vanderbilt for three years, 2011 mm-hmm. to 2013, and got drafted by the Houston Astros in the fifth round in 2013 after my junior campaign, and uh, after that. Went through the minor leagues for three years, made my major league debut of uh, May of 2016, and uh, been up and down a little bit since then, but this past year has probably been my best stint in the big leagues, so hoping to build off that going into the next year. Now, like you said, you grew up in Tennessee. How'd you get into baseball, and like what made you, well, I mean, you kind of just answered, but what made you pick it to go all out in baseball instead of football and basketball? Uh, well, growing up. I have two siblings. Uh, my sister is about eight to nine years older than me, and my brother is six years older than me. And my brother played. My brother played all three sports, so I wanted to play all three sports like him. And uh, he kind of taught me the ropes and how to play, how to play baseball and how to play football. He used to set up the cans in the backyard and teach me what holes to go through for football. And uh, in basketball, he taught me, you know, how to shoot a jump shot. And, and then in baseball, kind of taught me the ropes and how to be a good hitter and a good fielder. And I uh, kind of fell in love with it and uh, never looked back. And then once I got to high school, I uh, felt like I could go on and, and play and hopefully earn a college scholarship and just kind of stay in the moment and live in the present and uh, take it one day at a time. Gotcha. And that's a, yeah, you stuck with baseball. So what what, what made you uh, stay close to home and uh, go to Vanderbilt? Uh, well, at first I only had, I only had, two, I only had two college scholarship offers. Okay. Uh, one, one was, uh, one was East Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, where my where my brother played, and the other one was Vanderbilt. And you know, I had I had committed to go to East Carolina to play to play uh, to play baseball, and uh, still talking to Corbin, still went on a couple of visits, and that's when uh, Vanderbilt offered me a full ride to go play baseball there. So uh, kind of made that decision and made it made it a little easier. And you know, coming out of college with with no student debt was a was a big deal i thought yeah for sure and that's like one of the number one problems with college right now yeah <laughs> uh, i know and unfortunately is a problem <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, what, what was your experience like at Vanderbilt? You know, I, I always say that Vanderbilt kind of molded me into the, the man I am today. Uh, going there and learning a lot of different things about myself, about uh, life, about time management and baseball and, uh, you know, learning not only just the game of baseball, but the inside game of baseball and the, uh, you know, what you can learn uh, from the bench, what you can learn in the field. And, uh, you know, the, the way I bunt now is how I bunted in college. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Corbin kind of takes you takes you into a whole different uh, realm of your game and you can really process and, uh, you know, you, you mold into a different player once you're there. And, you know, I credit guys who go from the high school to uh, the, the minor league ranks, but, you know, college, I feel like, got me ready for uh, the task ahead, especially going into minor league baseball and uh, the grind of, uh, you know, road trips and, mm-hmm. you know, the hotels aren't as great. And yeah. uh, But I think mentally uh, being able to go to Vanderbilt uh, taught me how to deal with a lot of those things. Yeah, for sure. What's going down at Vanderbilt with all the MLB talent coming up? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of guys who come back and a lot of guys who give – uh, back to the university and uh, you know people call it uh, you know it, it, it's a program that it stands in high regard and uh, you know having guys like Sonny come back and David Price and Pedro Alvarez and uh, a bunch of guys that are, that are coming back and Coach mm-hmm. Corbin being able to have the alumni locker room especially uh, it's a big deal for us because we can come back work out and uh, uh, be able to use the facilities and uh, I think it's it's nice to go back and especially see the guys in college right now that are, you know, their season starts in about two weeks. So being able to see those guys and put yourself in those shoes and uh, remember what it was like to have guys in the major leagues walk around and stuff, and uh, it kind of sets the precedent. You know, you want to be that guy, that the next guy in line. Yeah, definitely. That's 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 cool that they let you just go back there whenever you want to train. I, uh, I love it. So you got you were named All American SEC player in 2013. So was that uh, like one of the decision makers, like you foregoing your senior season to enter the MLB draft? Uh, you know, I think it was a lot of different things. After my freshman year, being the 2011 SEC Freshman of the Year and being an All American and uh, having that good campaign and us going into the College World Series for the first time in college uh, college history for Vanderbilt, you know, I felt like that was a big deal. Uh, struggled my sophomore year, but I also think that that was good for me because uh, first time in my life in baseball, you know, you always are the best player. on one of the best players on the best teams, and being able to struggle and go through those highs and lows was good for me. And being able to go to the Cape and kind of put my, uh, you know, abilities to the test and see that it was uh, – I actually could do this. You know, the best the best talent in the college levels at that time uh, are all up in the in the Cape Cod League. So yeah. being able to have success up there and going into my junior year, we went 26-3 and three in the SEC, set an SEC record, and, you know, I hit 390 and was the SEC, SEC Player of the Year. Yeah. And, you know, after that season, I kind of felt like my draft stock was at an all-time high, and yeah. I don't think that there was much left for me to prove at the college level. So uh, going into being able to get picked in the fifth, fifth round by the Astros was – uh, it was such a blessing, and it was such a, a thing that I'll forget. And I remember Corbin, after I got drafted, he just gave me a big hug, and he said, go get him. And uh, I think he kind of knew at the same time that, you know, we were playing Louisville in that, in that Super Regional, but I think at the same time he kind of knew that I was going to, you know, be foregoing my senior year. 
Yeah, for sure. What were you? What were you projected to get drafted? Like what round before you got drafted? Uh, I think that we had went into the draft and kind of comparing people, and I think that we said I was gonna go. My agent actually said I was gonna go uh, rounds four to six, so I, yeah. fifth round, sandwich right in between it. So it was uh, it was a good projection. Gotcha. Do you think you should have went higher? Yeah, I think uh, I think I could have went higher. You know, being the SC Player of the Year, I thought yeah. that. <laughs> I was going to go in at least the second or third round, but, yeah. you know, God has a plan for everybody, and I feel like he kind of placed me in that round just to just so I wouldn't be complacent. In, and, you know, I love the draft because it's so hit or miss, but yeah. it gives you that it gives you that feeling that anything can happen. And uh, being able to go in the fifth round is was such a blessing. I thought I could have gone higher, but, you know, I, I think that's why I still have that chip on the shoulder to this day. That's exactly what I was about to just ask you. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Yeah, like even like when I was just looking up, like like no offense to those guys, but like there's still first round guys from the 2013 draft that didn't even make MLB yet. Yeah, and I think like like I said, I think I was drafted there for a reason. I think I think my head would have got too big maybe yeah. if I was drafted a couple couple rounds earlier. So you know, it's all it, it's all a blessing, man. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm just happy that my name was called. Period. And uh, being a being a, a five six guy going into college. There's a bunch of question marks, and there's a bunch of question marks getting drafted. Well, he's five six. He's tiny. Can he play 160 games? Like, yeah. I, like I don't know what that means. Like, yeah. my body is just going to give up after 100 games. I didn't know what that <laughs> quite meant, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I always, I always love that stuff because it kind of fuels a fire yeah. uh, for the for the task ahead. So I think it was good for me. Yeah, definitely. And what, what was it like just getting uh, drafted by the Astros? Were they looking at you before and stuff? Yeah, I think that the Astros, uh, I didn't know what team was going to draft me. I didn't know, uh, you know, wh- who was in my top five. You know, we had some draft meetings and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, a couple teams. But, you know, I had no idea. Like I said, it's hit or miss in the uh, yeah, yeah. it's hit or miss in the draft. But uh, having the Astros take me, I knew that the system was kind of in a rebuilding stage and uh, you know, being a second baseman, I knew that they had Jose Altuve. So once I kind of got into double A and I was playing second base and uh, being able to be fortunate enough to win a gold glove and in double A mm-hmm. at second base was pretty cool. And uh, once once that happened, I think that the Astros wanted me to go back into the outfield like uh, yeah, at the beginning of my college days and then my high school days. And once I, once I kind of figured that out, I knew that they kind of had a plan for me because you know they want they wouldn't just move me to the outfield just to move me to the outfield, but I wasn't going to take Altuve spot, and they were going to have to find a spot for me because I was I felt like I was moving up the ranks pretty quick. I hadn't there was not a year I haven't spent a, a full season uh, with a team in the minor leagues yet, so I think that's why you know they had different plans for me. So that was a good thing I felt. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to talk about like how how what how did you have success moving through the minor leagues? Because I know sometimes it can be a struggle for some guys. Yeah, I felt like, uh, you know, mentally I felt like I was prepared and uh, physically I was in some of the best shape I've ever been in my life. And uh, being able to talk to my brother, he had went through those minor league games. Mm-hmm. And he went through that minor league grind and he kind of had uh, some tidbits and some some knowledge kind of to pass down my way. So I felt like, you know, being able to take the things that he said and being able to just take little tidbits of other people's and, uh, their experiences, I felt like it kind of made me a better player, and I could understand from a minor league standpoint if I was able to 
if I was able to make it to the big leagues, you know, how I was going to make it. And, uh, you know, it's such a dog-eat-dog once you're in the minor leagues because mm-hmm. everybody wants to make it to the big leagues. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it, my, my dad was actually more concerned because he was like, how are you going to do once you get to the minor leagues? You know, it's not a team sport anymore. And, uh, you know, I felt like, I felt like everybody was in my corner and everybody was, you know, on my side. But I think that, you know, talking to my family, I said, hey, you know, it still is a team sport. And I feel like if I could give any advice to some younger guys coming up through the ranks, it would be don't think that it is a dog-eat-dog world because, you know, the game will always come back and it will come back to reward you if you think about the team first and, you know, moving guys over and hitting sack flies and bunting in situations that you don't want to bunt in. But... Yeah. You know, I think the game always finds a way of rewarding you. So uh, I always wanted to be that team guy, that guy that always could, you know, my team could count on me for, uh, you know, little things, whether it be a guy on second base, no outs, and I'm rolling over on purpose to get myself out, but to move a runner into scoring position with less than two outs. And, yeah. you know, I think that's a, that's a big deal. You kind of pass it on to the next guy. So, uh, you know, I would say don't, don't get too wrapped up in dog-eat-dog world and it being selfish, but uh, always to be that team player. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of team, didn't it, I'm, I'm pretty sure didn't you win like a lot of rings in the minor leagues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I won a ring everywhere in the minor leagues except for Double A. Yeah, it's crazy. Didn't you win like because you were on both teams and so you won like two rings in one season, right? <laughs> yeah. So my first year in 2013, uh, I was in Tri City, which is short season, and yeah. uh, I was there half of the season and. Uh, half of the season in low A and both those teams went on to win championships and yeah so I got two rings that year next year I started in high A and halfway through the year I went to double A and then the high A team ended up winning the championship so I got a ring there and then next year I started in double A left for triple A in 2015 and we ended up winning the national championship in triple A in the PCL in 2015 so we won a ring there so yeah I had a lot of success as of late and uh, being able to be on that 2017 World Series team for the Houston Astros was uh, something I'll never forget. So your your trophy case or your ring case is crazy right now, huh? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of big. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. My man cave looks kind of nice. <laughs> I know. Go, going back to like you moving up and down in the minor leagues, like like how did you deal with that? Like going up from the majors, going down from the minors, and even when you're going through the minors, just like ranking up in the minors, like how are you dealing with like all the moves and all that, and still playing baseball like well? Yeah, I think uh, I think in that regard, you just have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously be a team player, but you know you have to take care of yourself, making sure that you know. I I I watched uh, the Defiant Ones, and it's a documentary on HBO, and it talks about uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, and kind of how he came up in the ranks in the music industry and yeah. uh, J- Jimmy Iovine talks about I think one thing that was huge that stuck out to me in 2017 that really helped me was he talks about horse races and you know in horse races they have blinders on for a reason because you know you can kind of compare it to uh, humans and you can compare it to uh, you know they have the blinders on so they don't look at somebody the uh, another horse's you yeah. know how they're doing in the race and I, I feel like that is very comparable to you know how we live our day-to-day lives and you know you should never compare your life with somebody else and you should run your own race and you know what he said right there was big for me because I could kind of understand that because you know there's times where I'd look over and be like how is he moving up or you know how it, it's sad that he's killing it and he's moving down I don't get it and yeah. uh you know once you kind of once I watched that documentary I kind of just said you know you have to run your own race and 
uh, you have to be mentally strong in this game. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to hit the fan that, you know, you can't control. So uh, it's very cliche, you know, control the controllables, but that's really all you can do is control yourself, control what you eat, control uh, your body and control your mind and uh, just keep moving because, you know, tomorrow is always tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is uh, not promised. So give give all you have today. And, uh, you know, once you once you look in the mirror at the end of the day is, you know, you only have one question to ask yourself It is you know, did I do my best? And if you did your best, then, you know, you'll sleep well that night. So I think that, you know, going forward, just if I could give advice to guys that, you know, get moved up and down, it's that, you know, you, you all you can do is control yourself and control your attitude. And uh, no one can dictate how you think. So uh, just always stay in that positive mindset. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like the other thing I, I think people don't realize is like how much baseball players like actually travel. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge deal. Uh, baseball players travel a lot, and especially in the minor leagues and bus trips, and then playing the next day and how your body feels, yeah. and uh, especially in AAA. Uh, you know, once you get to AAA, you actually you actually fly, start flying, and people think it's better, but it's actually worse because <laughs> uh, you know you if it's Sunday night yeah. and you just you just finished the seven you just finished the game, then uh, you have a flight at six a.m. the next morning and. You might have a layover, so leaving Fresno, you lay over somewhere, and then you get to the city. Say you're playing in El Paso. It's 1 in the afternoon, 2 in the afternoon. You take a two-hour nap, and then you're headed to the field for a 7 o'clock game. And, uh, you know, once you're in the big leagues, it gets better because if you're playing in Houston and you finish a game, and uh, it's usually you travel on all usually day games. And if you travel on a day game, then, uh, you know, you're flying out after the game on your charter flight. And. Uh, if it's a if it's a night game, then you have an off day the next day. So the travel in the big leagues is a lot better. I'd say that's a big difference. That that just gave me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, you get used to the travel. So uh, you know, when I was in the minor leagues, I would just say, you know, on a travel day when your body's not feeling good, I just say grind for one, yeah. which means you know, just grind for one hit. You get one hit, grind for two. So. Uh, you just grind it out, man. It's a it's a it's a mental hole and it's a physical it's a physical hole too. But you just got to stay in it and uh, you just got to hope for the best and stay positive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, t- tell me about the story. Uh, how you got called up to the big leagues? <laughs> actually, a pretty cool story. Uh, you know, I felt like all the stars were kind of aligned. We actually had just gotten into Nashville, so I had a bunch of people on the pass list. We were playing the Nashville Sounds in, in 2016, and I wasn't on the 40-man roster. I wasn't really – I didn't think that – you know, my, my whole goal was to have a good season and get, and get protected and get put on the 40-man roster in that following offseason. And uh, once we got to Nashville, I, I was hitting pretty good. I was sitting right around 300, and uh, I knew I, our team in the big leagues was kind of struggling at that time. And uh, you know, after the game, I was talking to some teachers and some family out on the right field line, and Nolan Fontana came to come, came to get me, and he said, "Hey, we have a team meeting." And you know, I knew we had kind of been struggling at that time because we probably lost five or six games in a row. So you know, a team meeting probably you know was you know it was probably called for. So I told my fa- my fa- uh, my friends and family, I said, "Hey, I'll be back, but uh, you know, don't leave." So I'll be back after the team meeting, and so I ran up to the clubhouse and. Tony DeFrancesco is the manager, and he said, hey, did you talk to everybody out there? And 
I said, no, but I'll go back out there after this meeting. And he said, you know, they had a problem with your pass list. You're not going to be able to put 20 people on the pass list tomorrow. And I said, why not? He said, well, unless those people are going to be traveling to Chicago, you're going to you're going to not have you're going to not going to have a pass list for this team. And I knew that we we're the Astros are playing the Chicago White Sox at the time. And uh, man, that was uh, I wish I wish there was a photographer in there to take a picture of my face because, yeah. uh, you know, my jaw just dropped and. Uh, he said, "You know, good luck, go get them. But you're gonna be playing the you're gonna be playing the White Sox in two days, and it was actually a good thing because I had no suits at the time. And uh, I remember my mom and I we ran up to we ran up to the mall and got me a gray suit and a and a blue suit <laughs> at Macy's, and we had an off day in Chicago, so uh, that was my first time flying first class, yeah. and flew up first class to Chicago, and uh, you know went up." Uh, Tyler White hit a double. I went up, pinched, pinch ran for him, and scored a run on uh, Jose Altuve sack fly. And next day started, had two hits. Uh, and first pitch I saw in the big leagues, I hit a double down the left field line off Matt Latos. And man, that was uh, that was probably one of the high. Other than getting married, probably one of the <laughs> highest moments in my life. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to make the wife mad. Yeah, you all, you got to include her always. <laughs> and, and what's it like playing for the Astros with? like all the talent on the team like you guys are stacked yeah it's all it's an organization that definitely you can it makes you better i feel Mm -hmm. like you know i always get questions like hey would you rather be on the astros and be a bench player or would you rather be on another team starting every day and you know i I kind of think it circles back to you know god puts you in certain places for a reason and you know i'm I'm here for a reason and i'm doing what i need to do at this time right now and uh i I can honestly say being on the astros it makes you a better player because there's so many good players around you and you know having those good players around you it elevates your game even more and you know the the saying iron sharp is iron sharpens iron is you know it's true and uh, being able to win a world series and be able to play in the alcs last year and being able to build off that season last year is you know, gives me a lot of a lot of confidence just because uh, you know you can tell that the guys that are in your are in your corner really care about you and uh, it makes you a better player. So going forward, man, uh, I'm excited for this next season. Yeah, for sure. And that leads into my next question: what are your what are your goals for the 2019 season? You know, I'm really not a goal oriented person uh, long term. I, I usually like to take day by day goals or maybe weekly goals because. You know, I, you know, we're all different. Like Alex Bregman likes long-term goals, monthly goals, and I like short-term goals because, uh, you know, I, I feel like those goals are they're quick and they're more attainable. And, uh, you know, I think I, my goal for this season is, hey, it's simple. Make an opening day roster, first opening day roster of my career. And, you know, from there, just kind of build off that and, you know, see where it takes me. And uh, no matter what role I'm in this year, uh, I'm going to give it my best and I give it my all and, uh, you know, being able to have a lot of failures in the past have led to my successes in the future. So, uh, you know, I'm confident going into this next year, and I'm excited to see what it holds. Yeah, definitely. And how do you guys come up with all these celebrations? <laughs> <laughs> I can't give away all the secrets, but the celebrations just come with uh, they they just kind of come naturally. They don't they don't come planned. They just kind of come in the dugout, and we just kind of do them. Yeah, it's funny too because like my, my friend kept on asking me like who do you think's gonna like win this year and I was like the Astros' chemistry is just like crazy and obviously you're good so like I was just like they, they might do it again. Yeah, man, the uh, the Red Sox and the luck that we had in seventeen, it just seemed like the Red Sox just had that luck on their side this time. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, tell me about the the Hugs for Homers, because I know you started a campaign and then you donated money and stuff. Yeah, so the Hugs for Homers thing kind of was a cool campaign because, uh, you know, got Evan Gaddis to, uh, you know, be my big, my big teddy bear. I just jumped on him <laughs> and, you know, we kind of started in AAA with uh, Garrett Stubbs and A.J. Reed and uh, Drew Ferguson, who's now with the Giants. But, uh, you know, we started and we started kind of like was a college thing and we, we was just having a lot of good fun in, in AAA, and it kind of correlated to the big leagues. And, you know, I asked those guys, hey, can I use this and put it in the big leagues? And they said, sure, that would be awesome. So uh, raised about $7,000 and uh, wrote a check and, you know, donated all the money that we got. And uh, it was for a good cause. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good to do stuff like that because, you know, once you have this platform, it's always good to give back. Leads into my next question again. You're always on point this whole interview. How, how important is it for you to give back? Because I saw you just had a baseball clinic at your high school and you always do giveaways and, you know, the hugs for homers and all that. Yeah, I just, you know, hey, you know, we're human beings too. And, you know, some people, yeah. you know, some people kind of lose the, you know, they lose that. And, you know, when we're going through struggles and stuff, we they hate us and we're going through good times. They're our best friends. So, yeah. uh, you know, I always find it comical. But, you know, to give back to kids, man, it's just, you know, you never know the impact, the impact you can have on a, on a kid's life, you know, doing little things like camps and being able to have them come for free and not have a pay, pay a dime, just show up and bring your bat and your glove and just have a good time to get out of the house and get away from the video games and uh, be able to just have fun with your friends and have fun with people that, you know, you might meet at a camp. You never know uh, what friendships get built at camps too. So uh, I'm just happy to help in any way possible. And, uh, you know, give like I said, once you have this platform, be able to give back, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. Yeah, definitely. You ready for some fun questions? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, you got to finish this sentence. When Tony isn't playing baseball. When Tony isn't playing baseball, he is playing darts. <laughs> you like darts? Yeah, I, uh, I have a dart board in my man cave, and uh, whenever the guys come over, we always have some we have some good dart games and even some dart tournaments, so we, all, we have a good time. What's something uh, people might not know about you? I love documentaries. Okay. What what are you what's what did you recently watch? Uh recent documentary I watched was Thirty for Thirty, the uh Deion Sanders one that just came out. Gotcha, I didn't check that one out yet. Yes, good. What are uh three baseball jerseys that you gotta get in your closet? Oh, I know. Um I've had some good ones. Uh Edgar Martinez just got in the Hall of Fame and he's down there, downstairs right now. Got Clayton Kershaw. Um I think I think the number one for me right now would have to be Ken Griffey. I mean, he, that was a guy that, I mean, the kid, I mean, he's one of the best, uh, one of the best players to go down in Major League history. And I would like to have him and uh, Myron Rivera probably. Number three is a tough one. I have a Craig Biggio signed ball, but I think it would be cool to have a Craig Biggio signed jersey down there. So I'd probably say those three. Was there any uh, second baseman that that you modeled your game after or looked up to? Or outfielder. Tony, Tony Womack, oh, Arizona right. Diamondbacks, second baseman. I remember small, Tony uh, small guy, left-handed hitter, played second base. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was my inspiration growing up along with Ken Griffey. And uh, where can people find you on social media? Social media, at Tony Kemp on, on Twitter and at Tony Kemp 6 on Instagram. Uh, I try to stay off. I try to stay off social media uh, when I'm hanging out because, you know, Apple came out with this whole FaceTime thing, so I'm trying to not stay on my iPhone as much, but 
yeah, I uh, I enjoy social media. It's it's fun to I, I like sending videos. Me and Lance McCullers usually send funny videos back and forth to each other. Well, appreciate you coming on. Hey, Paul, thanks for having me, man, and uh, hope you have a good rest of your day. How right, you too? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.